Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. What's up, guys? Sorry, I'm a few minutes late here, I think. Oh, uh, no, nah, we're, we're nah, just, nah. We, uh, we launched these early. We, we do like a free lobby, so you're, you're all good, bro. Nice, nice. How's your day? Is it day or night by you? <laughs> um, it's like early evening over here. I'm out in California. Oh, dope, dope. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Colorado. Oh, and, nice. Uh, I went to school out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's dope, man. Uh, I I love the mountains, and if you're uh, if you're into any type of outdoor activities and stuff, you got stuff to do year round here. So it's I'm loving it. Sick. I I just uh, realized that Joe is rocking the same NFT collection that you were talking about. I don't, I don't know if that's why you brought it up in the first place. Yeah, Joe. Joe, maybe fill us in on these Googles. Is that <laughs> like what yeah, dude? The boogles. I didn't even yeah, know what like these we were. A lot of them uh, in the in the chat here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We were like aping uh, soul NFTs pretty hard over the summer, and one of our developers had gotten like really into it. And then one day he just had this like boogle PFP. <laughs> really like where the hell did that come from um and it's these guys they do like one of ones the collection is kind of small there's like a hundred of them uh so we got kind of on top of those pretty early and we've just been sticking with them since <laughs> jay's super it's like the friendly frogs concepts but on soul <laughs> let's go you should slide us one joe <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going off for like frog. quite a bit uh lately yeah have you heard of friendly frogs no no <laughs> nah, I I oh, okay never mind i guess we're still underground <laughs> <laughs> no these are these are sick yeah because i i would just like glance at the at the site and i was like holy crap some of these are selling for like six figures i was like what is this project <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of the newer ones are really cool um, but they've got like a pretty good community around it. I think everyone's like pretty excited about them. Uh, that's sick. You guys got like a, a chat group or something going on? Yeah, uh, standard Discord, I suppose. Oh, bet that's sick. That's super dope. Yeah, man. So uh, we're really, really excited just to have you on the base space. Are you? Did you check out the show at all? Are you familiar at all with with what we're about? Um, so let's see, I jumped on like pretty briefly when you guys were speaking with Irvin, um, over from the open dive team. Um, <clears throat> we've known those guys for a bit now, so I try to kind of listen to whatever they're talking about cause they're super smart. So I'd love to hear what's going on. Um, uh, but other than that, not really, that's basically how I came across you guys. Um, and now I'm just kind of here. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, super, that's no, super dope, man. We've been, we've been doing these spaces for quite some time. Uh, we just kind of started as like a friend group that was hosting spaces and then it kind of grew into a show. And now we've had like everyone from like Bobby from CoinGecko. We've had like Axie Infinity, Illuvium, like all different types of DeFi projects, Ava Labs, et cetera, like come on the space and just just chill with us, man, and provide a, bring in some alpha for, for everyone and just uh, educate 
educate all of our audience on on what what's happening because there's so much you know so much development going on in crypto right now nice yeah it's crazy at this point it's been a while for me and i feel like it's almost impossible to keep up with now (laughs) yeah it's uh it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty complex now i mean i feel like every day i like to stumble on something new or, or or learn something new for that matter it's it's pretty hard for one person uh, to keep up, and especially on on Twitter, right? You're kind of in like these these silos. Um, like my entire like Twitter feed is my, primarily Chainlink, so it's like all I see is like <laughs> all I see is like Chainlink posts and and tweets. So I, I don't really get to see so much of like you know some of the other ecosystems and uh, you know projects that are happening. You gonna say something, Chase? Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna jump in and say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Like, I'm actively trying to get out of my echo chamber, um, and I don't know. I feel like you know the you know the enjoyer meme. Like, I feel like that's about to be mean. I'm just gonna be like enjoying using like all these other layer ones because there's so many coming out. There's so many different like use cases on all these different layer ones, and uh, it, it's too much to keep up with. I agree. Sensory overload. Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. Um, Joe, like anytime we bring someone new on the space, we always like to ask them, like, how'd you, how'd you get started in crypto? <laughs> Man. Okay. Uh, so I got started like right at the end of 2011, like right at the beginning of 2012, I think. Um, kind of similar story to what you hear from back then. Like I was in high school at the time. Uh, Some kid in my class was talking about like these magic internet coins. You can go and buy drugs online. And I guess it was more of like a, (laughs) more of like a, this guy's full of shit. This doesn't actually exist. Uh, So that's kind of how I was introduced to it. And then I had hopped on like the Bitcoin talk forums. I was hanging out with people in there for a while um i don't know just something that kind of like made sense to me i was always in the building computers when i was younger and then i guess like 2013 2014 i'd been running medium to large scale mining operation for at for the time on script based coins so it was like crazy stuff like vert coin feather coin like a lot of things that don't even exist anymore like i was a huge litecoin miner um so that's been all right um that was good back in the day I did like the first round of ASICs there and then wrapped that up. Um, And that's when I actually decided to go back to school. It was like bear market 2013, 2014, I guess. Um, Right at the tail end of that, like winter 2015, I went back to school. And then I'd done some time in traditional finance. That was super boring. I worked for a startup called Falcon X on the OTC desk up in San Francisco back in 2018. Um, and then when DeFi summer kind of kicked off, stuff got so crazy. It was like balancing farming in your own time versus going to work. Uh, so that's when I was like, took some time to myself and I was just kind of on Twitter doing the anonymous thing on a different account. And the CMS guys were just looking for somebody to come on there and kind of help out with everything going on. So I joined up, I guess it's been a bit over a year with CMS now. Um, and over there, I just kind of look at our venture investments, try to take things from a more technical perspective, um, and just generally like research what's going on across the space. 
so long-winded but that's uh that's the story (laughs) (laughs) no i I honestly love that you started in high school because i feel like a lot of our listeners are are pretty young as well like they're kind of in like the high school like or or early college era so i feel like a lot of people do start there and they have the free time to kind of explore and and take the take a deep deep dive into crypto yeah, I mean, especially nowadays, like everyone's basically using their like phones to pay for stuff and they've got debit cards. So it's all electronic already. And like, I don't know, it's like I almost feel old looking at kids nowadays. They're like so much more technically inclined. Um, I think the digital stuff just makes a lot more sense to them. Joe, I'm actually curious, like, do you uh, this is kind of a little offhand, like more of a philosophical kind of like as we look back, maybe five to 10 years from now. Like, do you think that initial DeFi summer will kind of be like known as that like paradigm shift to where when we look back, we're like, oh, okay, like that's really where like crypto kind of turned the corner and started kind of being more than just, you know, what it was like traditionally known as? Yeah, I, I mean, like it was definitely like a monumental thing. Like DeFi summer, I felt like I didn't experience just like general, ex- I don't know, it was straight up pandemonium. Like it was insane. Um I haven't experienced that since like the super, super early days of like crypto in general, when this stuff was just like starting to take off back then. So, I mean, I don't know. I wonder like what could possibly be the next thing. Like, I feel like we're very much in the thick of it now. Um, But I I certainly think that was like, I mean, I'm sure we'll have events like it, but that was just some other shit. I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Yeah, dude, it was it was wild. I, I I hope we have like another another version of that because I need I need some excitement in the market. It was like I had left my job in San Francisco, and the next day, one of my friends texted me, and he's like, "Yo, YFI is eight hundred dollars," and I was like, "What the hell is YFI?" And then, like, next thing I know, we are just farming the shit out of this thing. Like, everyone was buying insurance on, like, Nexus Mutual. Nobody knew who this Andre Cronge guy was. Like, it was insanity. Oh, no. It was insanity. Yeah, that's the pond. No, I, I, I do think that, you know, we will see that as we start to hit into, like, you know, GameFi. Like, I feel like GameFi is, like, really kind of, like, starting to come into its own. And then... You have like machine five that I think will, I think it's a little bit before it's time. I think we have like a few more, maybe a couple of years before that really starts to like uh, kick into gear. But um, maybe it's hopium on my part, but <laughs> I'm hoping we get a repeat in, in these other <laughs> kind of air, uh, areas. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll happen. I don't know when, but um, I'm sure as things kind of get pushed along, we'll get some similar events. Or it maybe I'm sense, on opium right? too. Nah, like we we can smoke this opium together. Let's just let's just <laughs> talk about it. It makes sense, right? Like in, in this area, we have mass speculation, and so with each new innovative use case of using smart contracts, we're probably going to see, you know, mass speculation. Whether it's like game finance, like play to earn gaming, or machine finance, or even decentralized insurance. Like I feel like it's it's going to be nonstop over the next like. I don't even know. I personally think like the next like decade is just going to be insane. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Right. Maybe if we could get just a six month break uh, to sleep a little bit in between, that'd be good. Yeah. 
I'm actually uh, I'm actually curious. I know we're gonna little, we're going a little off script here, but I, I do want to kind of pick your brain since you've been in the market since 2012. What what is your viewpoint on the traditional four year market cycles kind of starting to kind of fade away a little bit? Do you do you think that we will always kind of continue to have these four year, or you think we're kind of turning a corner where there's just too much innovation and too much kind of momentum occurring right now for us to go through another like two year long bear market or however long it was? I I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think. Like, I don't want to jinx it, but I think with the larger stuff like Bitcoin and Ethereum, maybe we don't see the same kind of just like absolute decimation that we have in the past. Um, this one does just feel like a little bit. I mean, this one's certainly been drawn out. And I don't mean like this time is different, but I don't know. It kind of just seems like generally as the market matures, there's different pockets of things now that are like moving when others aren't. So, like, over the summer when things were getting destroyed, like, the whole NFT market was absolutely booming. Um, and it kind of feels like now there's almost so many somewhat developed sectors in this space that the money's kind of moving around, at least for the time being. So I don't know that we just see like a total bear winter again, but I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Even after seeing a few of them, I just kind of take it as it comes. Yeah. No, I, 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 I could definitely see that. And I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, the market is maturing, but we do have like a large majority makeup of the market where we're kind of all sharing the same liquidity in a sense. And I just feel like a lot of it's just going to flow like narrative to narrative. And you, you, I feel like you're just going to have to be really uh, flexible on your plays and kind of be able to move with the narrative as it's changing over time. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think we definitely have a bit of time left um, in the current go-round, but TBD in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of uh, switching back to, to CMS for a second, um, I feel like a lot of people might not even know like what CMS is. Could you, could you kind of fill, fill the audiences around like what CMS actually does? Yeah, 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 totally. So I guess technically we operate as a crypto hedge fund. Um, the way that we're actually kind of set up is a split between like active trading and then venture investing. Um, we do quite a bit of like DeFi stuff on the active trading. So we'll jump in LP pools, we'll stake tokens, um, we do some lending and borrowing. We kind of try to get as hands on as we can with this stuff and integrate it to what we do every day. <clears throat> and then kind of on the same note on the venture side, um, primarily we kind of invest on the application layer. So things that we could either see ourselves using or use on the day to day on the trading desk, um, just stuff that we can get kind of hands on with and give feedback from that perspective. So, uh, generally, I mean, we don't really have like allegiance to one chain or another. We've invested pretty heavily in Ethereum, kind of like everybody else has, um, outside of that, it's been like a lot of Polkadot, Solana. Um, we're starting to get a bit more into things like Cosmos and Arweave. Um, and I suppose Avalanche has been another big one for us as well. So we kind of move around, like just add developer activity springs up on these. That's 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 really cool that, that the portfolio is so spread out. Um, we're really big fans of Avalanche here. I know Super and Chase are heavily, heavily into Avalanche. Like when you're when you guys are like considering investing in these new you know, layer ones or, or ecosystems, like what's the thought process around that? Like what's the, 
what's kind of the green light to say, hey, we want to we want to put some capital here. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these kind of came on the tail end of like the original like 2017, 2018 ICO boom. So like stuff like Solana had been around for quite a while now. Um, and I think kind of at the time, it was just like a little bit more apparent what the drawbacks of the most popular chains were. Like, I guess it was kind of a huge buzzword argument with Bitcoin that the transaction speed is too slow. You can't have enough throughput for it to really scale. Um, and I guess some of these kind of like buzzword arguments like it, are what kind of dawned some of these L1s that we see now. So, I mean, I think like back in the day, when it was a little bit more apparent what was there, it was kind of easier to pick and choose like which L1s we wanted to look at <clears throat> and take a little bit further. And nowadays, um, it's just crazy. I mean, you don't really hear as many people launching an L1 and things like that. So I just think it was a matter of like back then, there was a lot of stuff missing across the ecosystem. And uh, the bets were just kind of spread accordingly to that. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, and I'm I'm curious too. Like, how much capital have you guys like put into the market so far? Um, I mean, we're reasonably sized. Uh, we don't really say like AUM or things like that. Got it. No, that that makes sense. Um, just just assuming it's like larger than like nine figures in the market. It's like a decent chunk. I mean, we're definitely able to be relatively mobile and liquid across a few different chains at once plus our centralized stuff um, and not really have to worry about capital concerns too much okay yeah yeah that's 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 pretty cool um joe could you yeah go for it chase yeah i was gonna say joe could you actually like touch on like um like what your kind of day-to-day looks like within the role at cms oh yeah i mean for me it's like just calls all day um either pitch calls or update projects with our portfolio companies. Um, at this point, I mean, we have quite a few investments. So kind of the day-to-day of just making sure everything that we've invested in, we're staying up to date with. Um, if they need feedback on anything new rolling out, we try to pretty, stay pretty active with retweeting stuff for our portfolio projects on Twitter and things like that. Um, so really, I mean, a lot of it is just like managing the current portfolio and making sure we're up to date there. And then other than that, it's kind of just fielding pitch calls for the most part um basically across anything we're looking at at the time and these are these are like developers and and entrepreneurs kind of like reach out to you guys are building in the space for funding yeah yeah exactly so i mean typically we sit pretty early stage i mean our investment size on average isn't as large as most um but generally speaking i think a lot of the guys on the team have been around in the space for a while so we've seen kind of this stuff grow from nothing uh, so we feel like kind of the earlier stage where we can kind of get feedback and help a team maybe develop an idea um, and kind of offer what we've seen in the past or what we've been hands-on with. We feel like we can be most helpful there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's actually interesting. I know we have, you know, we have um, a pretty wide range of, of listeners that that tune in. Some are builders, like in the space. Like, what what would that kind of look like from their point of view? Um, you know, if they're wanting to kind of like connect with you guys to see about like funding or pitch to you guys, like what was that? like intake process kind of look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, nowadays it's like, it feels like it comes from all over. Like I know intern gets like a ton of pings on Twitter. So we're always happy to kind of field inquiries there. I mean, other than that, like stuff usually kind of just gets passed around the space relationship wise. So like 
kind of like I mentioned, a lot of the guys at CMS have been around for quite a while. So really kind of the network just funnels towards us most of the time. Um, other than that, I mean, we do try to do a bit of outreach on stuff that we're looking at in particular, but really, I mean, Twitter's fine. Telegram's a little dicey. I guess Discord's a little dicey. If it's a cold reach out, I think Twitter actually might be best, believe it or not. <laughs> no, I, I 100% believe it. And I think we've actually mentioned that before, um, you know, because we, we have to kind of like prospect a little bit to see if anyone's interested in coming on the show. And I think Twitter is probably our highest success rate out in terms of outreach. Like me too are super like, feel free to correct me on that. But that's one thing I've noticed about the crypto industry is Twitter is like definitely the the way to go. And it's, it's honestly surprising, but with how open everyone is. Yeah. I feel like Twitter is the number one place unless you are a, uh, a European or like Australian Asian um, company. And then te- I found Telegram is actually, quite useful that i feel like uh european countries or companies use telegram more than they do twitter but those two those two and then discord i mean it's like the holy trinity if you want to reach out to someone those three are definitely the the avenues yeah i kind of like carrier pigeon i think that's that's my go-to method Yeah, I'm actually curious, like switching gears a little bit from like more of like an analyst take, um, you know, what, what, what do you kind of have your eye on right now? Like what, what, what do you find exciting that it doesn't necessarily have to be in the pipeline that you're currently working with? Um, I know there's probably like a lot of contracts you can't talk about that stuff, but just kind of generally, is there anything that uh, you find exciting right now in the market that you're looking at? Yeah, for me, actually, I guess like more of the last three to six months, I've been super excited about our weave. Um, I guess like as we were doing more and more stuff on Solana at CMS, we were realizing how tough it was just to like look back on stuff that's been going through the chain. Um, And also like we started noticing all the NFTs we were buying were getting like cast out to our weave. Um, So we've been kind of focusing there. I mean, me personally, I've been super interested in it lately. Um, I guess like just generally speaking, like the community is like really wholesome over there. Everybody that's building on that thing is just like super excited about what they're building. Um, and it just really feels like a nice kind of like genuine, I don't know, blossoming of something. So are has been like the exciting one for me lately? I've been keeping a pretty close pulse there. Nice. And, um, for someone who maybe doesn't know our weave is, uh, myself, <laughs> could you get, could you kind of our weave pill me a little bit? Just kind of give me like the, like what's the rundown of what our weave is. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I don't know if you're familiar with Filecoin. So it's like another decentralized storage solution. Um, and basically with Arweave, you kind of can pay one time a very small fee and you have data that can be permanently stored um, to the weave, if you will. Um, but right now it's kind of like super early stages. I mean, projects that generally just kind of like store stuff, whether it be like emails or NFT data, have been kind of the first ones moving on that thing. Um, and right now it's kind of exciting because they're working on kind of a more robust implementation of smart contracts on top of it. So I think once that starts going, you start to see all kinds of kind of interesting use cases of this like decentralized data storage, which I think has been kind of like meme almost like buzzword to date because there hasn't been too much going on on that front yet. Um, but I mean, in short, it's just permanent data storage uh, forever, decentralized. Are we? Check it out. 
That's awesome. And is this like a, is this a cross chain or is this like its own layer one? Yeah, I mean, it's its own layer one. Uh, okay. Ideally, so like things like Solana, where you kind of have to give up the ability to store a lot of information yourself for the transaction throughput, they would look to something like Solana, I'm sorry, like Arweave uh, to kind of archive data or store things there. Um, and then the two kind of work in tandem. So this goes for chains like Polkadot, uh, Near is another one. A lot of these kind of like high throughput sharded solutions need something to fall back on, uh, whether it be Arweave or a different solution. Gotcha. And so um, I, I am familiar with, with Filecoin, but I guess just like for, for the listeners or people that are tuning in, like for Arweave, like, what are what are some of the like tangible use cases of like what this will bring um, in terms of like a technology and use cases? Yeah, I mean, so like right now it's been like essentially data archiving. So, um, I mean, we can talk about this one. CMS we invested in a project called Kive. Um, so these guys basically take like Solana. I don't know if anyone here has used a Solana blockchain explorer, and I mean they all work. But you look at some of the stuff that come, comes back and it is not like following information on Etherscan at all. Uh, you like buy an NFT and you go to look up the transaction and you're like, what the hell went on here? So things like Kive that looked like archive data back to Arweave and then make it easily queryable for end users, um, I think are kind of like the most apparent use cases of this stuff right now. So, I mean, it's not super sexy, um, but it's definitely one of the more useful chains that we've come across. Yeah, Joe, are there any like um, like low caps that, that you're, you're kind of excited about? Maybe something that's like, I don't know, like 50 million or less. Is there something like super up and coming that, that you've kind of had your eye on? Oh my God. Nowadays, I don't know. I feel like it's funny, like back in 2019, like my friends and I would be like, oh yeah, hundred million market cap. Things can definitely hit that. And now it's like, everything is already over that. Um, I'm hold on. I'm looking through my coin gecko list here. I don't know that I have anything that small. I guess like this isn't super small. I mean, it's 200 million. Let me see if the FDB is. I don't know. There's a project called Haven that's doing like, I don't know if anyone's familiar. Uh, they're like synthetic assets, but they've kind of like been chugging along for a while in the background. Um, I've been kind of watching them because they're supposed to integrate with ThorChain a while ago. Um, but I mean, I think that's the lowest market cap thing I really have on my radar here. That's crazy. 220 million. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... I feel like you're not like you could, yeah, you hardly can even get to things even like quote early anymore. And it, you know, not be over a hundred million already. Um, apes are strong. I'm actually curious, like I, I've found that, you know, whenever I talk with people and, and you mentioned you, you come from like TradFi, are you, do you naturally kind of like find yourself geared towards DeFi? Like what, what is your kind of area of interest? Like some people I find um, maybe they came from, the development side or gaming and, you know, game five really speaks to them. Um, I'm curious, like what, what really kind of speaks to you as an individual, like whenever you're looking for like investments? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess like aside from the TradFi background, like I was always into building computers. I mean, I was never much of a developer, but I 
played around in enough. I mean, like playing private WoW servers with my friends or things like that. So like we did and the mine, the whole mining operation too. So, I mean, my friends and I do kind of like geek out a little bit more on the infrastructure side and things like that. But I think like talking to projects, I, I don't think that what style of project like really matters as much as kind of the people making it. Like there's just times when like people are just generally like excited and really into what they're doing. And I think talking to those types of projects is most exciting. I mean, for me in this space, like I've been in it for, I guess like over a third of my life, which is like a pretty decent chunk of time. So I don't really know anything else. So like, really, I just enjoy like talking to teams and seeing like what's new out there and what's like coming to the forefront. Like that's the stuff that's exciting for me. Yeah. I'm actually curious, like speaking of things like at the forefront right now, like you have um, Ohm kind of taking over as like a really big narrative and, and Ohm Forks more specifically. Um, do you do you have any thoughts on Ohm generally, and then also just kind of like this like new uh, narrative, like forking off Ohm and having your you know protocol own liquidity? Yeah, actually, I mean, honestly, algorithmic stablecoins and and these kind of like senior edge stablecoins are probably one thing I know the least about. Um, at CMS, I don't know if you guys remember like based. Uh, that was probably the like rebase token that we kind of played around in or like algo stablecoin that we played around in most. Um, Ohm, like Ohm is one that I saw around and I thought it would kind of go away like the rest of them. And it's just kind of like stuck around and got bigger and bigger. But personally, like I haven't played around with it too much. We don't really farm that kind of stuff at CMS. So I unfortunately don't have much more to say than that. No, yeah, that's fair. No, it's, uh, I'm in some of the plays and I've been kind of like watching it kind of like grow and develop. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm buying into the, the quote Ponzi-nomics a little too hard, but you know, it's a, it's a really interesting like potential paradigm shift in, in my eyes. That's the way I view it. Like it's, you know, protocol, the protocol owning its own liquidity, I think could be um, really powerful if used correctly and, and done the right way. And so I'm really curious. Like, I, I think there's, this is like one of those areas where I think Ohm will probably be the largest overall, but I think there's going to be many forks that are going to be like really successful um, because you could basically have these like DAOs that own their own liquidity that may have like different mission and, and vision statements, right? I'm like, whatever they're trying to accomplish and, and go do. Yeah. And also I feel like the people that are really into Ohm are like dedicated. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, Joe, I'm I'm curious as well, like from like the CMS holdings like perspective, like when you guys are looking to hire people, like do people need like a series seven in order to start working at CMS? Like what kind of attributes or, you know, certifications do, do, do you look for or do people need? Yeah, no, no, definitely not. I mean, I think like a lot of the firm probably had a traditional background just because, uh, I mean, they're not old at all, but they're a little older than me. But I mean, generally here, like most of the people that were working here before me um, were either friends of Bobby or Dan at previous jobs. So like a lot of the guys have worked with Dan at Circle um, or even back at Kraken. And then Bobby had known a ton of people in the space as well. So everyone kind of like knew each other um, and kind of like reassembled under the CMS hood. I think I was like the first hire 
outside of that. And at the time they were kind of just looking for somebody that was playing around in this stuff all day. So like this was right, I think August, September, like DeFi summer had just happened that spring, early summer. Um, so really they just wanted somebody that was like looking at the new stuff coming out. And I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, just like on top of what was going on on Twitter all day and things like that. So, I mean, I think like with CMS and crypto in general, just like a general like in, interest and knowledge in the space, it seems to be a lot more powerful nowadays than like traditional credentials, if you will. Um, I suppose maybe that's different for more traditionally run firms or some of these startup companies. But I think a lot of like the crypto native guys just want to see like general interest and knowledge on like what's happening in the space. Yeah, I'm actually curious, Joe, like how 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 are you keeping um, like a clear mental image of like the landscape? Like, do you do any sort of like mapping where you kind of really break down the different sectors within crypto? Like, how are you kind of like, I guess, like organizing it and, and thinking of it like in a structure type way? Yeah, I feel like it's just, it's just chaos if you just think of crypto as, as one whole unit. No, I mean, we t we definitely kind of sectorize stuff here. Um, so, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, those block research articles where they do, like, the ecosystem maps. Um, it's not as large as that, but we do kind of, like, map out, like, okay, given this chain, these are the sectors that we feel like most projects can fit under. Um, we typically look to kind of fill out the things that we would use most first. So stuff like DEXs or lending protocols, um, and we kind of bucket those things separately rather than like one whole DeFi type thing. But I mean, we do kind of just like map out what we generally think an ecosystem looks like. Um, and then that's kind of like how I keep track of things as well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I feel like that's like, that's definitely some alpha. Um, and it, it makes complete sense from like a logical perspective. It's like, okay, like I'm in this new ecosystem. What like, you know, I'm here now, what can I use or what do I need to use to kind of like further um, utilizing this ecosystem? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think a lot of the time, like when you see new stuff start to get popular, you basically get a wave of first to the scene. And a lot of the time, there's a good handful of those first to the scene that end up being like the prominent protocols in the future as well. So it kind of pays off to have an idea of like what you're looking for somewhere before it really kind of blows up. Yeah, like, for example, like Avalanche, right? Like, I feel like I was, I mean, I'm not going to say I was super early, but in terms of the bridging, like, I'm not one of the OG Avalanche people. There's people that have been on Avalanche for a very long time. But, you know, there's a lot of people um, that were really well positioned for DeFi, and they had, like, positioned themselves, like, pretty pretty well on, like, Trader Joe. Yeah. And it was, like, you know, that was, like, one of the ones that, that blew up. Um. Side note, kind of like going from that, because I, I do give Trader Joe a lot of credit for their memeability, like from an analyst perspective and kind of like being on the investment side. Is that one thing you guys kind of consider? Like, I know it sounds very weird to like to consider the memeability or it sounds weird to say that, but it worked for me as a customer. The memes are what kind of brought me to that to that protocol. <laughs> is that is that like is that one thing that you guys kind of consider is like um like the the strength of the marketing behind the protocol in a way um yeah i mean i don't know if we really think about it like 
as a function of whether we'd invest in something or not. I mean, I think it's like a route that we usually suggest a lot of the time if teams are asking kind of how to get their name out there a little better. Um, I mean, it's kind of like undeniable at this point, like the ability to just like get on Twitter and, and shoot out like a shit post or a meme um, generates so much attention to projects that it's crazy. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that we really look for that as like a criteria, but we definitely try to push people that way. Um, if they're kind of asking for guidance. Yeah, I guess that's poorly worded. I guess like what I would say is like, you know, what what is your impression on that? Like, how do you view that just as an individual, like um, the power of the memes? Yeah, ways. no, I mean, it's, it's serious at this point. I mean, it's weird. It kind of like goes both ways. Sometimes you get these like super meme projects that it's like too much and it makes you want to stay away. And another, like other times it just works. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I have really an opinion on it. Um, it's like very interesting nowadays to see where the space has gone. Like back in the day, it was like forum posts on Bitcoin talk. And now it's like hentai memes on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, is there an oversaturation point for the meme marketing? <laughs> or is it never ending? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, believe it or not, I actually never hopped on Bitcoin Twitter. I'm sorry, crypto Twitter till like DeFi summer started. So I'm kind of like newer there because I know it was happening for a while. So I don't know how things looked prior to this, um, but I think it probably doesn't go away. It's just like this obscure, like, I don't know, marketing community that's been like, it's got like too big to refute at this point. <laughs> yeah it's the power of the memes it's unstoppable yeah it's kind of like this like weird mesh of like attention currency mixed with culture but like also like if you have like really strong meme ability of a protocol it's kind of like free marketing in the sense you know you have like you'll just have the community just like run with memes and they'll just like literally create endless memes about your protocol um I don't know. It's just like, it's, it really is crazy to kind of like actually like think about memes from like the actual like student perspective. And, and I wonder like what the dollar amount would be if you could like quantify the impact of like meme marketing, like what, what would the size of that industry be? And who knows, like maybe we'll find out through the tokenization of everything as we continue down this, but it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I have a few friends that run anonymous accounts that basically just help others out with like their meme campaigns and things like that. And some of the some of the checks they get paid is it's crazy. I mean, even I don't know if you guys follow CMS intern, but like when he was an actual intern, it was like killing some time making memes and that kind of just turned into like this mass following on Twitter. Um, and it's been super useful just in terms of like marketing, like we'll have certain portfolio companies that'll ask like, Hey, can intern do a meme for us? And like that just generally helps out on the visibility front, like more than most other actions, I think. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Speaking, speaking of memes, uh, I, and I thought this was maybe on the intern account, but I think this was maybe on your guys' main account. What, what's, what's the deal with this constitution thing? <laughs> Um, I honestly don't know the, the details there. I mean, essentially, I think these guys are trying to gather as much money as they can to go and uh, bid at this thing 
at Sotheby's, I think, is, is the one that's auctioning it off. Um, it's supposed to go for like 20 million, but I have a feeling that it's going to go way over. Um, I think they've got more than that at this point. Uh, but I think Dan threw some money in there under CMS earlier today, just, just to say we did. Yeah, no, yeah. Like I, I was looking at your guys' Twitter account and I saw you guys were like tweeting about it and I like, <laughs> heard about it, but I mean, I knew it was a meme and I, but I did know that, that people were actually really trying to like gather some funds together and, and make this happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the auction's tomorrow. Damn. All right. I'm at, I'm at the, I'm at the like tune in, sound the notification or something to figure out what's, what's going to happen. I'm curious, like what, what, all right, you win, you you win the auction. You have the you know one of the copies of the the Constitution. It's like now now what? I don't know. I hope they like Banksy it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mint it as an NFT. It would just be art. Print like a Bitcoin white paper on it or something like that. The NFT would honestly probably be more valuable. So like for there's no way that that sells for twenty. It sells for. <laughs> Yeah, so let's see. I'm looking at the page now. It looks like they increased the cap on it, and they're at $33 million, which is insane. I feel like this thing's going to go for, like, 50 or something. I mean, it's the fucking Constitution. We'll see. I'll call it Bill. <laughs> Coming from Super High uh, Holdings Incorporated. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, I don't uh, know. It's like one of 11, say. right? Or one of is it one of 11 copies or 12? It is twelve. Okay. Still, though, I mean, you could, oh, well, you could own a piece of the Constitution. That's yeah, pretty. It's pretty crazy. That is crazy. Um, Joe, I'm actually curious. Just kind of like going back, um, maybe to kind of like you know, get a little of alpha from from your from your vantage point. Um, what what layer ones are you? really excited like i know you touched on like solana and stuff like that but any of the lesser known ones like i know Harmony's kind of up and coming um i got a buddy who's tuning in he's really big on kadena uh, it's like a really scalable proof of work one um are there any kind of like flying under the radar layer ones that have kind of like caught your eye um i mean yeah i'm gonna harp like our weave has kind of been like that for us lately um we actually just spoke with one of the guys from Kadena um, pretty recently. And that's like, that was one that made me be like, okay, there's too much going on in this space for me to follow everything. Um, so we're taking a look at that a little bit more now. I mean, outside of that, like, it's definitely a bigger one, but Polkadot's been really big for us. And that's kind of just starting to come online now. So we're excited about that. But generally for us, um, I mean, we, I actually, no, I should say we're pretty excited about Terra as well. Um, but yeah, generally for us, it's kind of like we, I wouldn't say lag a little bit, but we definitely wait to see that there's like some type of developer activity and ecosystem growth before we're kind of on top of moving things there or investing in it a little too quickly. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. Um, yeah, they're super interesting. Yeah, DeFi Don showed me one of their videos of uh, their chain web technology for for Kadena, and I thought it was super fascinating. Yeah, I mean, those guys apparently have been around since like 2016 building that thing. Um, I had absolutely no idea. 
Yeah, Joe, it sounds like you guys are like actively engaging these projects. Like how often do you do you check in with the projects that you're investing in? Is it like every month, every quarter? Like what does that what does that process look like? Yeah, I mean, I think like prior to launch for a lot of these things, it's probably more regular kind of like how are you guys doing? Do you need help with this? XYZ kind of like more of feedback for the team, playing around with things and stuff like that. And I think generally once things get out into the wild, um, a little bit more and they've been tested a bit and they're getting used. That's kind of when I think that we feel like we can be a little bit more hands off. So it's kind of like if a project needs anything, we're obviously always happy to respond to a request or help out like as they come by. Um, but I think for us, it's kind of like what's pre-launch, what's like newer to the scene, things like that. That's kind of like what we're on top of a little bit more day to day. Um, and then some of these projects that are just like chugging along a bit, it's kind of as they need things, like we're always there to help. But I think a lot of the day is kind of just following like where these projects are at in general, um, just because the portfolio has gotten so large at this point. Yeah. Is there, are you guys like paying attention to like their GitHub and things like that? Because, um, you know, as we know, like, projects can say they're doing things but they don't actually do <laughs> do those things uh, necessarily like is do you have any like good resources to kind of keep tabs on on projects and make make sure they're like fulfilling their vision or uh the objectives that maybe you guys set out for them or they set out for like the community yeah i mean i think like generally for us we like to be able to see some sort of test net or dev net and get at least hands-on and know that there's somewhat of a working project um, before actually committing to something. I mean, that's not the case all the time. Some stuff, it just comes through super early. Um, but usually we like to play around with stuff and at least verify as much as we can on that front. And then again, I think it, as far as like GitHub tracking or, or doing things like that, um, it's a lot more of like this like early, like pre-launch stage. So like a lot of the things that we do, our developers are kind of act or interacting with programmatically. Um, so I think, if something were just not there, we're not getting built or not getting pushed to the GitHub, uh, we would probably figure it out that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it's, it honestly sounds like from our discussion, a lot of the, the companies and projects are kind of using you guys as like a networking tool. Hey, I, I need help here. Can you, do you know someone over there um, type of type of ordeal? Yeah, it's like that. And I think like given that most of the folks have a pretty deep background kind of on the traditional side or more like traditional markets experience, I should say, um, I, we feel like we can be quite useful with things like derivatives protocols, just giving our feedback about how we interact with some of the centralized exchanges or how these contracts work in the traditional world. Um, and then just kind of like using these things and, and the crossover there. So, I mean, I think a lot of it is just like feedback from what we know and, and what we've experienced. And then at the same time, um, we do lean pretty heavily kind of just on helping teams partner with other teams, uh, general introductions to investors. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll try to introduce and help with security firm, or I'm sorry, security audit firms. Um, those guys are almost impossible to book with nowadays. Um, but really, I mean, I think we've got a pretty large kind of swath of tools that we can help out with. Um, but playing with things and kind of being hands-on and giving feedback there is probably the thing we lead on most. Joe, I'm actually curious, like what, um, is there any sort of like learning lesson or kind of like something that you 
had an idea of, of what the industry looked like and then kind of like being behind the scenes of the industry now, like, was there anything that kind of like, you're like, Oh, okay. Like that's not how I thought this like occurred or like, that's not how I thought this kind of went down. Um, was there anything that kind of like just really just like shocked you once you kind of moved over on, not necessarily shocked, but I think you get kind of what I'm saying. Like, is there anything that kind of like made you look at it differently once you moved over to the inside of the industry? Um, not as much. I mean, I think like, this probably goes for most things, but I mean, I think a lot of people see kind of like more of the prominent figures in the space and like think that these people just know so much more than them or they're like super geniuses, this and that. Um, I think like the more time you spend here, the more you realize like everyone's on a pretty level playing field as far as like knowledge about this, this stuff goes or understanding it. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is so bleeding edge that it's really impossible to be an expert right away. So everyone's kind of on that same level playing field of like, I don't think there's many people that know more than others that if you're participating in this stuff on the daily, um, I mean, that wasn't really surprising to me, but I mean, there are definitely people that I think I thought, not that I think less of them, but I thought way high, more highly of, I thought they just kind of like knew everything. And I'm like, wow, we kind of are all just not playing in the dark here, but it's new for all of us. Yeah, no, that that's one thing I've definitely noticed. It's, um, you, you definitely have to be careful in who you put stock into, not from the sense of, um, you know, there's shady people. Of course there is, but just generally speaking, like it's, this industry is so innovative and, and so like it has so much depth that um, we really only truly know so little about it. Yeah, Joe, from, from your perspective, like where do you see CMS going within like the next two to three years? Do you think it'll still be acting as like the same VC that it is now, or do you do you see see the business evolving over time into something else? Um, I mean I think so. Like I think right now we're a relatively smaller firm. I think there's about fifteen of us. Um and I don't really know that there's much urgency to kind of get huge and on that front. Um, but I mean, I think at least as far as the general horizon goes, we'll probably just keep chugging along on what we're doing. Um, a lot of the stuff that we've invested in is either just starting to come to the forefront or just hasn't really been released yet. So I think kind of going into the future, a lot more of our time will be spent kind of managing these projects that were earlier investments for us, but I don't think too much is probably going to change. Um, I mean, trading and kind of investing behind things that can help us out will probably be where we stick with. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Joe, like near the end of these shows, we like to provide the opportunity from audience members to come on. Are you you cool with that? If we allow allow some audience members to come on, if they want to ask you some questions. Oh, yeah, let's go for it. I didn't even realize uh, how long it had been. Time's fine. Yeah, it goes quick, guys. If you wanna, if you wanna ask Joe a question, just hit the request button now. We'll let you guys on one at a time. We'll definitely give it a few seconds here to see if anyone wants to hop on and chat. While we're uh, waiting for somebody to request, I'm actually curious here. Like, I was just thinking about this. Like, what what do you think the strategy behind employee retention is going to be for firms or companies like in this industry? Um, 
because you know it's like you know your wealth moves exponentially when you have exposure into this industry so like what it, what does it look like in terms of like trying to keep people on board uh for like extended periods of time you know um is that, is that conversation you guys have kind of had or um i mean yeah i guess like i think i think it's cms um it's probably not as much of a thought for us because everything we do here kind of operates in a pretty flat manner, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's right. Like you have analysts that can go off on Twitter and, and kind of just print more money than they're making on a salary and things like that. So, I mean, obviously I think there's probably going to be some significant salary <laughs> increases on that front, but really I think people just want to have like a piece of the action uh, themselves. So, I mean, if you're working for a firm, you want to know that you're going to see some return on the things that you're actually helping out with there. I mean, I don't really know how it looks. It's pretty interesting. Um, but I guess also one thing to keep in mind too, is like the, maybe this goes on forever as far as up only mode, but at some point it won't. Um, and it's good to kind of have like a team of people and some connection in the space to kind of, associate with i don't i mean it's nice to kind of have your tribe if you will i suppose some people kind of find that on twitter things like that um but i don't know i mean i think we'll see i think right now maybe it's a little tougher to keep people around um but i think that's also probably a result of just how good things have been and for how long they've been that good yeah no it's uh it's an interesting problem to have but uh what's up david Hey guys, thanks for having me up. Thanks for doing this, Joe. Uh, I just had a question. You know, there's a ton of talk about like institutions coming into DeFi, and it's like this big narrative. But do you have any idea of what that would actually look like, and how they would think about adopting DeFi stuff in general? Yeah, I mean, like from what we've seen so far, at least it's been like a lot of middleware platforms. So a lot of these institutional guys don't want to go into something like a Uniswap pool where there's a bunch of other people that they haven't KYC. Um, so like essentially we're seeing platforms come that basically sit in between the institution and these DeFi protocols. And some of them might even abstract away which protocol they're using. Um, so like yield aggregators and things like that, where institutions would park money, they'd only be with other like KYC capital in this pool um, and then that pool will go out and interact with DeFi itself. So, like, as far as institutional participation, what we're seeing so far is that nobody wants to interact directly with this stuff. Like, there's just platforms that are going to sit in between and kind of facilitate it. Uh, kind of boring, but I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Do, do you, like, what would be a timeline, you think, over the next few years of, like, where we'll see some serious adoption from institutions? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to estimate with this stuff. Like, I think the pieces are getting put into place right now. Um, but I mean, I would think maybe like we're probably two to three years out from like some significant like, oh, I can go to my bank and I have a compound account. Like, I don't <laughs> right, know that right, we'll right. ever get there. But um, yeah. I think there's a bit of time. I think there's some things that definitely need to get into place before all of them are comfortable. Yeah, I agree. All right, thanks for asking my question, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on, David. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. I'll just uh, drop down back to the listeners. What's going on, Dang?
Dang with us. <clears throat> you're muted, Dang, if you're trying to talk. Or maybe he was he was waiting and he's not here anymore. <laughs> All right, we'll try something else. Yeah. Hey, uh, oh, oh, what's up, Dang? Hey, nice. what's up, guys? How much? Welcome to the stage. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, quick, uh, when you talked about the protocol to own the liquidity, you talked about many forks and then creating those DAOs and, and, and splitting off that liquidity, right? And so you're essentially just filling up those buckets to then run it through these, 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 these different protocols, right? And, and so you're saying at the very end that these protocols are just kind of being neutral. They're not interacting with these, with these pools that are being created from these different projects. Is, am, I, am I kind of understanding that correctly or it's, Is anybody tracking? Are you talking uh, about the uh, the ohm forks that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, those ohm forks. Those sounded really neat. How they worked? Yeah, Chase, you might be more up to date. Oh. Yeah. Um, Dan, can you kind of like uh, maybe like rephrase? That? I don't know if I'm like fully understanding the question. Yeah. So I was just thinking the the ohm forks. Um, I guess I blended the 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 um forks with these these new protocols that you know, especially like in the Solana space that have recently come out. It's like how do you have the 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 different pools interact with the different protocols to have that more interaction within the space, right? And um, and I okay. thought that that ohm protocol was was super neat, and I you know I would like to. You know, if, if you could point me in the, or I don't, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him my best go on, on answering this. I'm not the best own pillar or kind of like of these, but generally, like, I think I kind of get where you're coming from. So essentially what this is, is it's a, it's a protocol that is a DAO. So it's, you know, a decentralized autonomous organization and they own their own liquidity. And with that, they can put the, the fund. So as people mint and give money to the treasury, that treasury is now part of the DAO's collective. And at, in return, if you mint, you get their currency, which is OM. And so once the DAO has uh, liquidity, they can start deploying that liquidity as the DAO sees fit. So if you wanted to interact with the protocol, um, you know, I'll just use like time, for example, like that's one of the forks, right? Um, they have MIM. And so if you want to interact with like Abracadabra money, you could then use that MIM to deposit in pools like on Trader Joe um, or wherever it may be. So really it's just kind of, it's up to the DAO, which, you know, time's not really a DAO. So going back to the DAO side, OM, it really is up to OM collectively on where they would like to deploy those assets or where they may think they're like most efficient or most effective for like the capital allocation. But that could also be, they could fund a startup if they wanted to. Like, it's just, it's really kind of the creativity of, of the DAO because they have, um, like, I think Ohm right now has $744 million in their treasury. So that's a DAO that has almost a billion dollars that they can do uh, with whatever they want, basically. And so I think that just really kind of changes the dynamic of the, of the ecosystem. Does that kind of help a little bit? More confusion? 
No, that 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 right sizes it. So um, great, great overview. Thanks for for letting me join. Appreciate y'all. For sure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Dang. What's up, Will? Hello. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to hey, the man. stage. Oh, thank you so much for having me, dude. Uh, pleasure listening. Um, this is something that you may have already covered before, um, but in regards to uh, decentralized derivative exchanges, um, I just remember months ago that Mark Cuban said that this is the next big thing coming in terms of putting a massive amount of um, market cap on crypto. And I'm just looking at, you know, DYDX and um, FutureSwap and these kind of things. Um, who's kind of leading the race, do you think, to, to kind of uh, take over for mass scale adoption, uh, especially looking forward in the future? And if you were to take a strategy of, for example, signing up to a few of these exchanges and um, maybe getting some airdrops, um, who do you think is kind of leading the way? Um, I mean, as far as like the guys that have been out um, and functional for a little bit now, like for us personally, it's been a lot of uh, perpetual protocol and DYDX. Um, we've been, we'll be live on things like Derividex uh, once they kind of get up and going off of DevNet. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't know that we've seen like a clear winner in the space so far. Um, I think like the guys that are out right now are kind of like all over the place. So you have like DYDX on Starkware, Perp is on XDAI, and I believe it'll eventually be on Arbitrum. Um, so we're kind of like generally waiting for things to get a little bit more unified just in terms of like ease of access to liquidity there. Um, but I don't think there's been any like clear winner so far. I mean, we're quite happy with both Perpetual Protocol and, and DYDX, but I think obviously there's a lot of room for these things to grow into the future. Okay, cool. Um, from what I hear, there's a lot of hype around Derivadex. Why do you think that might be? Um, I mean, I think they've just got a pretty strong team over there, and they've been building for quite a while. Um, I think it's been pretty anticipated, and I believe that they're hosting like a trading competition on their DevNet right now. So hopefully we should see uh, things go live and get to play with it a little bit more um, pretty soon. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, do you think Solana's got any potential to, to come in and, um, I guess, uh, become a top dog in this area, considering how scalable it is? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we feel like Solana kind of gives you, I mean, not traditional feel in terms of the technology, but I guess just, like, the general flow in terms of trading and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think we see Solana as like a pretty strong technology to host a lot of these more high-speed order books um, and maybe a little bit more of the high-frequency stuff that you kind of experience in traditional finance. Um, so, I mean, I guess we don't think it'll, like, we don't really see things like Solana is going to replace Ethereum or Polkadot would replace Solana, um, but we are pretty excited about just kind of having that tool set there in the future. Okay, sure. Um yeah, no, that, that definitely um, clears things up for me. Um, uh, another one that I had to ask about was um, in terms of um, the metaverse gaming space, from what I've read recently about, um, well, I, I mean, in the space, we're kind of all, it seems like we're chasing for the next metaverse game that's actually going to uh, be a working product and it's going to um, 
kind of be the one. And from what I see, in terms of something like Axie Infinity, um, people seem to not talk about it as much, albeit it still remained probably the leader in the space. And just seeing how much money that they've got um, in their treasury and, you know, um, upwards of $150 million in terms of venture capitalist money. Um, do you think there's any reason to shy away from continually investing in it considering how significantly high its market cap has got um, over this short period of time? I don't know whether or not you're um, too much into the metaverse gaming space in terms of investments, but um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can speak too specifically to Axie there. I mean, obviously, kind of like you said, they've been on the forefront for a while and they were kind of the first to the scene in terms of just getting this user base and traction. I mean, I think given what they've built and kind of the trajectory, they'll definitely be around for a while. But I don't know if I could say like, yeah, you know, go out and buy some AXX tomorrow. Um, but generally on the gaming space, I mean, we've been investing pretty aggressively there at CMS, I think we're getting to a point where things are getting a little bit saturated just in terms of original ideas or, I don't know, original ideas, marketing, things like that. Um, so I think we'll probably have some time where a lot of this stuff gets flushed out. Um, more of the developed things, things like Axie, Aurora over on Solana should be a pretty big one as well. Um, I think they'll probably survive. I mean, I don't have too many specifics I could name, but I think we'll probably see like a nice little washout kind of in the gaming space in the future. Yeah, obviously it's it's pretty hyped up at the moment. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, the reason why I mentioned actually is this idea that I'm trying to gather in which it seems like it doesn't necessarily have the triple the A gaming rating of sorts um, compared to, you know, what we see from a lot of, awesome games today but it just seems like something that people are still sleeping on even though this narrative is the hype right now um considering it doesn't necessarily have that uh, amazing graphics game but it definitely has that financial backing thus far and um i guess yeah how people see it obviously everybody would have loved to get in early on something like that um okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense in terms of um aurora though when do you think that will kind of um have its time to to shine even more so in terms of a time frame? Um, I mean, in terms of time frame, I, I can't really speak for the team there. I mean, I think once people can get a little bit more hands-on with this stuff, it, it'll be a little bit more in the limelight. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't really have too much of a timeline there. Like, I feel like with the gaming stuff, all of this is so new. A lot of projects are kind of raising on just the idea alone. Um, and really, I think there's a little bit of a waiting period that we're in here before all of these things kind of hit the scene at once in terms of playability. Uh, so kind of just sitting on my hands and waiting for things to develop rather than looking too far out, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I guess one more, um, whether or not there's any other kind of people looking to speak soon. But um, uh, no, you're good. Yeah, um, in terms of um, uh, decentralized um, stable coins um, that are, you know, in baskets, uh, that are pegged to a basket of, of various stable coins, I've been looking at something like um, uh, the Snowbank DAO on Avalanche and um, wondering whether or not you have any a view on um, 
these kind of uh, protocols coming ahead um, and what their future looks like. Yeah, I mean, Snowbank in particular, uh, not really. I believe that was on the Ohm Forks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that one, not really. I mean, we're kind of familiar with stuff like MUSD, like the M-Stable Basket um, and things like that. I mean, I don't know that we totally feel like they're completely necessary right now, um, but it's obviously an area that's been explored pretty deeply, so I guess it'll be around for a bit. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, I don't, I don't really have too much to speak on on that front. Sure. Yeah, I'm probably throwing a, a fair few things at you that, um, obviously, you know, crypto is just such a big space, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like, there's lots of different. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's hard to expect um, anyone to know um, everything, really. Like you kind of said before, that um, you know, seeing as someone like yourself is very heavily indebted into the research of the spaces there's only so much that you can uh, i'm sure try to specialize in it as soon as the next big thing comes out um but definitely those words about um you know perpetual protocol i definitely haven't looked into as much as maybe i would have liked um and um and derivatives and, and those financial deliver- derivative exchanges yeah definitely interesting stuff so um yeah thank you very much for for giving me a bit of a voice nice no problem yeah, and thanks for Cheers. coming on, Will. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Will. Great questions. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Joe, I, I did have one last question. I don't think we have any more community questions, but um, you had talked several times about middleware, and a lot of us you know, on here are pretty big Chainlink advocates, so I'm just curious, like, um, do you have any thoughts on, on Chainlink? <laughs> um, I mean, not really in particular on Chainlink. Uh, I think, like, for me personally, like I had seen Link around for a while. I mean, goddamn, it must have been like forty cents, um, and I kind of like ignored how vital that type of stuff was for the the ecosystem that we have today. Um, I mean, I think like generally we'll probably start to see a lot more kind of Oracle solutions, um, and I guess not quite Chainlink, but like data query solutions um, that just make accessing this stuff a little bit easier than it is today. So, I mean. Nothing for Link. I mean, it's great to see what what it's grown into. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess that's just my thoughts. Very cool. Uh, Joe, we just appreciate the time. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the space. It's been it's been awesome to learn more about CMS and just your thought process around around investing. It's it's been really cool, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, Time flew. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we uh we do record these. Are you cool if we post it up on our YouTube channel? Oh yeah, go for it. I think uh, everything should be fine on that front. Let's go. Awesome. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Cool guys. Hope to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Stay based. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>